Hey, see it here. Take off your pants. Pour yourself a drink. It's time for GeekCast Live. It's a trap! Geek cast live. Uh, sometime in season eight. No idea when this episode is going to premiere, but sometime in season eight. If you do not recognize this voice, it's because you've never heard this voice before, probably. Uh, we're taking over the podcast network formerly known as Pop Rigas, taking over for an episode of Geek Cast Live. I'm one of your hosts, Seed, and I'm joined by a couple of Pop Riga old heads. I have Mr. German Jackson. How are you doing out there, sir? How's it going, man? I'm. Um... I'm thinking like with a takeover stuff, the Jay-Z or somebody should pop in here. So. <laughs> takeover, the break's over. We don't believe you. We need more people. And also we have Mr. Brian Martin. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I- I've prepared a list of really, really good recipes to share with the listeners today. Um, I think this is a food show. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that's what this is all about. Yes. All right. Good, good, good. I'm glad you said that because I just threw some uh, sausage and peppers into the crock pot. Ooh, yeah, some sausage and peppers with a splash of white wine, so I can uh, throw that over a bed of rice when it's all said and done. Nice. Damn. I'm thinking it's it on the bed. Toss it on the bed. <laughs> toss it up, toss it, it on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> what are you I'm saying about? At some point of, yeah, I'm thinking at some point, because I, I bought some carrots and uh, celery and stuff, at some point I'm going to do some chicken noodle soup. But... Okay, will you or will you not have a Coke on the side with your chicken noodle soup? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's wait. That's way too early on for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right on it. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, we're taking over for the group that you know as Geekcast Live, uh, Geekcast Ride, Rob Bass, Cartoon Joe, and Nick Cordero, the Tommy Lee Jones of podcasting. But uh, we're still going to try to give you a uh, a good show. So let's just uh, let's just dive right into it, man. We got to get the. Uh, at the time of this recording, I don't know when it's going to go out, but we got to get the elephant in the room out of the way. The first two episodes of WandaVision dropped. What do you guys, have you guys seen uh, them? Yeah. Yeah? What oh, are yeah. y'all thinking oh, about yeah. it? Holy shit, man. I don't like, <laughs> I still, two episodes in and I'm still like, I don't, what the hell is going on here? And it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good what the hell is going on here. I uh, I've seen those episodes and I've also seen the third one, and the third one is going to give you and even more what the hell is going on here. Like the end of episode oh. three is like now we're starting to really start peeling back some some layers of the onion. Uh, Ryan, what are you thinking about these first two episodes? Oh yeah, I loved it. It delivered for me everything they could have done without the scenes where things seem like they're going wrong. And just played it straight as like this '50s and '60s sitcom, and I probably would have walked away happy. I, think, yeah. I, I do think I do think watching it last night, I was like, I think there is definitely a reason they dropped two episodes at once rather than one, because one episode alone gives you nothing to go on. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you when you look at it and then you watch the second episode, you can kind of chart the rate at which the the world that they're existing in is starting to deteriorate mm-hmm. a little bit better. And uh, whether that's really what's happening or not, I, I think that outside of the scene in the first episode where spoilers, Vision's boss is 
Vision's boss falls the floor choking. <laughs> there's nothing really that weird about it, right? It's just it's played relatively straight. So um, I uh, I think they had to do that to sort of convince an audience out there who isn't really going to have the patience for this to hang in there. Right on. Um, and I know episode three puts us about the 70s, if I judge that decor right. Somewhere in that, yeah. Yeah, Almost so like, it, it seems like, like uh, yeah, yeah, kind of kind of that Brady Bunch era. Um, and it seems like as episodes progress, if I had to guess, uh, we're going to keep going a little bit further and a little bit further until we hit like present day. Hopefully they're not doing like 2010 sitcoms and so not ripping off like the Big Bang Theory. I think what I was they're going to end up doing is like like modern family, like the single camera, like mockumentary single camera. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was wondering if they're going to if they're going to hit like office uh, modern family kind of territory. Ooh, uh, looking into the camera beats and all that kind yeah. of nonsense. Yeah. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> At that uh, point in the series, I, I would hope that we've got a big enough idea of what's going on behind the yeah. scenes that they that that like it wouldn't even work at that point. Like, I feel like the illusion is going to be falling apart at that point. Yeah. I assume we, we can only take that so far and then it's just take the sitcom aspect so far. And then it's just, Oh, things are fucked up. We need to see what's going on. Cause if you go, yeah. Cause if you go from now, like decade by decade, you're only filling maybe four, five more episodes. Yeah. How many episodes total is this? I think nine. That's a weird number. Cause I think they say, I think they said they had seven. And they think they had seven more. After these two, oh, okay. something, something like that. All right, then. I think I think nine is the number. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think they broke it down like every three episodes, kind of is an arc, more or less. Mm-hmm. All right, then. All right, then. So you guys are on board with this bit of it. Oh hell yeah, good. Lord. I was on board before I started watching it. <laughs> this is one of those things where I probably went into it with my mind made up already, but. It still could have disappointed me by not really living up to what expectations I had in place for it, but it definitely met my expectations, and uh, I'm happy with it. It kind of hit me like um, like a Twilight Zone type thing, like um, well that, and then between that, and then like maybe some of the Jordan Peele stuff, like uh, Get Out or whatever, where you're looking and like even the way they deliver certain lines like takes a whole new context when you look at you know what's going on or trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, like, like Dottie shattering the wine glass. Well, it's like that, that was sort of a get yeah. out moment. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, what is going on? I expected her nose to start bleeding. You know? Yeah. <laughs> even the, um, yeah. Even the, just the random lines that vision and Wanda are delivering each other. It's like talking about fitting in and all this stuff. It was like, yeah, it seems like they're like, it's got the new in town vibe, but I'm still trying to figure out, is this, a construct that Wanda placed for herself, or is it somebody that's messing with Wanda? That seems to I be think the, it's, one of the big two. Mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking it's a little of both. Like, I think somebody has manipulated Wanda. She created this whole little world uh, all to herself. Because, and I think, because, uh, you know, we know Monica Rambo is a character in there. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, S.W.O.R.D. is trying to get in there and, you know, figure things out. And every time somebody is, because I'm thinking all the residents of Westview might be sword agents that tried to get in there and they get caught up in it every time, you know, somebody hmm. gets in there and gets, gets brainwashed. Maybe, Maybe so. 
Maybe, Maybe so. so. I like that. I, I just want to be able to get out of this series and see more of that dude with the mustache. You know, the guy with the weird head that has the mustache who's getting, <laughs> getting he's cleaning his desk out in the first episode oh, yeah. after that really bad dinner with his boss. Yeah, he's there in episode three. So I'm hoping Good. because it seems like even though they're jumping <laughs> decades, the people stay the same. Like yeah. the uh, uh, what is episode two? That was the, episode two uh, is the bewitched riff. The was, okay, so that's where Vision swallows the gun. Okay, so yeah. is that's also where they uh, they have like the the neighborhood watch at the library. So that black guy is their neighbor. So you see him in the seventies episode with like the big fro and the big handlebar yeah. mustache. <laughs> so it's looking like they're just going to keep these people going all throughout the uh, all throughout the joints. Uh, Brian, are you thinking that uh, this is somebody messing with Wanda, or is it just Wanda? Well, I think the uh, the message on the radio where you hear uh, Jimmy Woo saying, uh, who is doing this to you? Do we know that's Jimmy uh, Woo? Is that confirmed? Uh, well, his name is in the credits and he doesn't show up anywhere else in the episode. So mm. I'm 99% mm-hmm. sure that that was, that was him. Um, but uh, that to me is a big hint that somebody else is at the very least manipulating. Them. I, I think that this whole reality could be a construct she's made for, him, for herself to deal with the vast amounts of trauma she's she's lived through but um i don't know i don't know i'm very very curious yeah, people I'm are thinking... picking up on that line about the devil and thinking maybe mephisto has something to do with it oh, i think that's a little off the reservation but yeah who yeah. knows who knows because if this leads straight into uh into dr strange too then maybe mephisto is part of this he's an asshole because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, um, Agnes definitely has something to do with the whole manipulation. Like her playing the nosy neighbor is basically a way of her keeping tabs on on Wanda. Mm-hmm. And if she isn't, if she isn't Agatha Harkness, I'll eat one of my shoes. Yeah, and I've yeah. got more shoes, but I will eat one of them. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm interested to see what you do with the shoe you don't eat. So you're just gonna have a random left shoe hanging out somewhere. Motherfucker. <laughs> you need to, takes, to be wrong in another bet somewhere. <laughs> I think it takes a whole nother meaning, like that first episode where she pops up and she's pushing for her for Wanda to have her anniversary with um with with vision and having, you know, having to basically asking if she had children and this and that. And then you'd go later on in the second episode, they're all talking about for the children, but there isn't a child around. Hmm. Like I'm, I think there has to be something. Yeah, there definitely has to be something pushing, trying to push Wanda towards having children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking this is gonna be one of those series that, like, when you get to the end, if you go back and rewatch uh, the first couple episodes, there will be things that we don't realize are hidden in there, double meanings yeah. and all sorts of stuff. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. This was like watching them last night. I was like, this show I already know is going to benefit from a rewatch because there's stuff just packed in there. I want to. I want to see if the um, if the ads in between have any significance toward you know once we get through all the episodes. I feel like no. I feel like those ads are just to like further uh, embed you into that era with that era's type of ads, but with that MCU flavor added to it yeah the only thing the only thing i liked picked up on is that you know stark the toaster is a stark uh industries product the watch is a strucker and like strucker and stark are kind of sources of her 
trauma that she's dealt with, right? Oh, right. Because there's a lot. There's so a I, lot of... So I'm curious to see what happens with future ads if they if they continue following that trend. Yeah, because there's a lot of um, nods to Stark, obviously, in there from the red, like a lot of red and yellow um, that pops up mm-hmm. when you finally do see some of the color and you know and the black and white. Uh, is um, it the same people in the the commercials every single time? It was, yeah, the same. The same man and woman. Same man yeah. and woman. All right. Then. Yeah, for that Strucker watch, I'm. Wait, wait, hold on a second. What was the commercial in the second episode? The second episode that was, was the, the Strucker, Strucker watch. watch. Okay. Yeah, for the Strucker watch, I'm. Uh, I'm willing to bet you that the uh, the size of that watch face is the exact same size of Strucker's eyepiece that he has oh, wow. in, uh, in Age of Ultron. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where WandaVision goes. That brings us to another question, man. What? Disney Plus show, as far as the MCU has been announced, that you are most looking forward to. So let's take WandaVision off the table since we've gotten a little bit of tasty flavor of WandaVision. What, uh, Brian, what is the number one MCU Disney Plus show that you're you're most hyped about? Oh, man. I, uh, it's funny, and maybe because they showed a little bit of the, uh, some clips from it during that, uh, that whole Disney you know, uh, investors night from like a few weeks ago, but Ms. Marvel looks great. And I am just it, it, much like when the, when the Ms. Marvel comic started with uh, Kamala Khan in it, uh, I was just like, well, this looks cool, but it's probably not for me. And I'm like, that's fine. And then I read the first couple issues and I was like, I, this is just really, really solid stuff. And when Ms. Marvel was announced as a TV series, I kind of went through all those motions again, where it's like, yeah, but is it really going to be something I want to, I'm, I'm really that interested in. And then seeing the, uh, the clips from it that they, that they showed and, and the interviews with like uh, cast and stuff, I was like, yeah, no, I think I am going to check this out and, and be happy to. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very keen on that. Uh, Cause it looks much more like teen centric than, anything else that the MCU's done, including like the Spider-Man movies, I would say. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of happy that something that is part of the MCU finally will be filling that, filling that void and have these sort of levels of quality control that the films and clearly these spinoff shows enjoy. So uh, outside of say like something like, I don't know, um, Cloak and Dagger or Runaways or something that's clearly just existing off in its own little corner and uh, is is good to varying degrees of quality. I think Runaways is pretty good, but um, uh, I, I'm really excited about Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, okay, yeah, I was also the same way. They uh, announced that they're going to have a, a new series, much to the ire of uh, of insoles everywhere. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, yes, that's they're going for a different audience. That's not me. And uh, a couple of years down the road, after those couple of volumes, I was like, well, I'm hearing a lot of heat on this. Let me check this out. And yeah, it is absolute dopeness. And what, she, what G. Willow and, and Sanaa managed to do with that character is nothing. She's short. a great character. She's like, a great I, character. I've, uh, she's basically central to the Avengers video game, and her story mm-hmm. is just, just phenomenal. Boy, that video so game. Oof. What's that? It is so rare, though, that like yeah. a, a Marvel or like a, one of the big two are able to debut a new hero in this day and age and have them stick. Yeah. And and as of right now, you know, it's like Ironheart comes along. Well, we know Tony Stark's coming back at some point. Uh, Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. Well, we know Steve Rogers is coming back at some point. Uh, 
Carol Danvers is not going to be Ms. Marvel again. No. You know, <laughs> like no. That, that is a spot that is open and Ms. Marvel has the current Ms. Marvel has has assumed that slot. She's not going anywhere. And I'm pretty impressed with that. Yeah, before that, I feel like the closest we get, even though it's still kind of a legacy character, is Miles. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe Kate Bishop, but Miles is is a, in a different a different level than Kate Bishop. Uh, what about you, there, Jermon? What Disney Plus show are you most looking forward to? I think um, of the stuff they've announced so far, I think I was most looking forward to She Hulk. Hmm. Um, yeah, that is like. Like being that I love Fantastic Four, she was probably one of the greatest like replacement members of the FF team, and I absolutely fell in love with um, Dan Slott's run on the book. Mm -hmm. Where they and I think that's the tone they're going like the um, comedic like courtroom drama or courtroom comedy rather. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I just love like this a uh, 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 Green Hulk like a uh, character being a lawyer trying to actually be a serious lawyer. Is just just pure comedy gold. Like and twenty I'm years like, ago, this would have just been an Adult Swim show, and we would have been done with it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and see, I like I like the fact that now it seems like uh, Marvel is trying to branch out into other genres with yeah, you know, like WandaVision, She Hulk, and, and some of the other stuff. It's 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 a good thing. It's a good thing to try to do different stuff than your standard superhero fare. Yeah, I agree. I, like I said. Uh, on social media, we haven't had a courtroom comedy since what Ali McBeal. It feels like it's been yeah. <laughs> so it's been Night court. Well, there was um, right, well, out the bull. Was, there was the grinder that, but that didn't last super long. Is that Rob Lowe's joint? Yeah, the one with Rob Lowe and um, Fred Savage. Fred oh, Savage, that's yeah. that's done already, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was grand opening, grand closing. Didn't take that but, one too long. Could you imagine though? Like I was just thinking about watching when I was watching WandaVision last night. Could you imagine like somebody is just now getting into the MCU and this is their entry point? Oh, they're gonna have no idea what the hell's going on. Yeah, Not it's, really. it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at this point, um, because I remember I think leading up into Endgame, Feige specifically was like, listen, we've held their hand for the most part up until this moment. Uh, from here on out, man, you just got to know what's going on. Well, uh, in fairness, get in. yeah, in fairness, they are. If you're watching it on Disney Plus, pretty much all the other stuff is on there anyway to catch up. So it's a good. No, a lot of a lot of people don't have Disney Plus for MCU. They got this so their kids can watch, you know, right. cartoons and all that kind of shit. But since you got it, might as well use it. Well, yeah. I also think that the the, uh, the the Legends, the Marvel Legends show that just debuted last week too, is is helpful on Disney Plus. There's seven minute long episodes that just recap various characters' stories through the movies. So they've got the the first two episodes are Wanda and the Vision, and then the next two I'm assuming will be Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm. We'll probably get a Loki well, you know. one. Yeah, you know? and, so, so, and and that's that's exactly why they're doing it. I know that Disney execs. I know they they one know they've got something really special with WandaVision, and I also think they're absolutely terrified of WandaVision because they're afraid people are not going to like it because it it is heady and it's not as action focused and it is unforgiving with its audience. Like if you don't know who these characters are, the show will do nothing to help you figure it out. So Marvel Legends exists specifically to aid with that, and uh, and so if you are even remotely fuzzy on it, because Vision and Wanda are not 
like primary characters of these movies. They're just ancillary yeah. characters, and you may have overlooked their stories at some point or another. And I, and before we watched it last night, I had my wife watch those two episodes of Legends, and there were moments in there she was like, "Oh, I forgot about that. That was a really cool mm -hmm. moment," you know. And it's like, even if you're a seasoned with this, it wouldn't hurt to watch those Legends episodes first, pregame it, and then go into yeah, and. And I think the good thing, the, the good thing about, especially with WandaVision, um, it probably requires the fewest amount of uh, movies to catch up on. Like, uh, yeah. pretty much what Age of Ultron, um, Civil, Civil War, War, Infinity War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Endgame. It's, you don't even really need Endgame. <laughs> no, not really. No. <laughs> even Thanos tells you that. I don't even know who these people are. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> right on for me the one i'm most looking forward to is uh of course falcon and winter soldier man uh with the winter soldier being my favorite marvel comics character of all time and then my boy uh sam wilson getting to cut them checks i am 1000 percent <laughs> looking forward uh, i feel like there's well i don't feel like I, I know that there's something in Black Widow that's holding us back from the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, I think it has been confirmed that uh, Florence Pugh will be in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, so that was the first one we were supposed to get. Yeah. But because they pushed back Black Widow, they kind of swapped places with WandaVision. And right. Yeah, now that we get Black Widow in May, supposedly. Um, so that's still, still that's going to be after Falcon and Winter Soldier, isn't it? As, yeah, because I think Falcon and Winter Soldier drops in March. Oh, yeah. it might be. Disney's yeah. like, listen, this is the closest we can cut it. This is like, maybe yeah, they're gonna maybe maybe it'll be timed so that whatever episode Florence Pugh shows up in is post Black Widow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's what like I like. Line it up that week. It's kind of like uh, like sort of like what the Mandalorian did during its first season when we saw Grogu heal him, and then like the it's like the same week that Rise of Skywalker comes out. Oh, so yeah. it's like they, they just. They just kind of shoved this "oh, the force yeah. can heal" thing at us all at once. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was the uh, that was that week they had to drop that episode on a Wednesday instead of Friday. Yeah, yep. Yeah, to get you prepped for that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's what I'm thinking too. That if they're releasing it weekly, then yeah, that she'll probably be in one episode for like two scenes, and that'll coincide with the with the Black Widow debut. So is Falcon of Winter Soldier starting like right as WandaVision is ending? More or less, right. I think. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a long wait. Because it's right. what, four? Because it'll be one, two, three, four. I think it, yeah, I think it'll be right in that window. Word. I'm cool with it. I'm down with that. All right, let's keep this bad boy rolling on, man. Uh, talk about TV shows, Jermon. You want to talk about the, the revival of, of old TV shows to, to be new life breathed into it. Yes, it's been, uh, definitely has become a trend in the last few years. You know, I've just finished up on the latest season of Cobra Kai and I'm looking, I was like, you know, you see stuff like Roseanne and what was it, Twin Peaks, X-Files, like everybody's getting on the revival bandwagon. Like, hey, let's dust this show off and, um, you know, see if people see, see if people dig it again. You guys used to like this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please like it again. We spend money on it. <laughs> And it's going, I mean, it's going rampant now, especially with um, with all these new streaming services, because everybody's trying to, you know, get their own properties revived. Yeah, they're trying to get that familiar content that's going to draw the people back in. Because I think I just heard what uh, Peacock just did, because they did Save by the Bell. I think they're doing mm -hmm. a, a Punky Brewster revival. Oh, yeah. wait, a, a revival? Are they bringing back 
the original yeah, the, cast? Yeah. Uh, uh, she's still going by Punky. She's like fifty now. <laughs> uh, she's now think, Spunky Brewster. <laughs> yeah, I think with some of those, yeah, that's the problem you run into. Is like nobody wants to see these people old. Punky Brewster, MD. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of which, they just announced Doogie Howser is coming. Yeah, back yeah, they well. sure did. I don't know. I think mm. it's going to be a reboot, but not a um, not a uh, not a continuation. Yeah. Because I mean, nobody's pop up though. Nobody's impressed by like a forty-five-year-old guy who's a good doctor. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a man doing his job. Yeah, now you're not special anymore, Doogie. He's like, you ain't no genius no more. You you caught up. <laughs> you ain't no genius, boy. <laughs> totally different reboot than we expected. Yeah, unless it's just like like he just went into a path of like hardcore drugs and it just starts out with him passed down an alley somewhere with like a belt strapped to his arm <laughs> it'll be like the wrestler but with doogie hauser <laughs> we need to back doogie i'm thinking back to uh that covid happened <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking back to the brady bunch when they did those tv movies and stuff back in the day and oh, that yeah. like highlighted that problem it was like there was none of the charm from the from the old series none of the camp it was like, I don't want to see these people with real problems and stuff. It's like... Yeah. Oh, I got knocked up again. Oh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> Off to Planned Parenthood we go. <laughs> we don't want that 10th box up on the screen. <laughs> I was just looking at an article as they were talking about, like, I guess some of the uh, revivals that were in development hell or in the works or what have you. And they listed what, like, yes, yeah, Sister Sister, Punky Brewster, Frazier, um, Alf. Yeah. It was just like <laughs> Bring Alf. you know me and Alf. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you, you and I Alf fucks with some Alf. <laughs> I would I would actually like to see Alf nowadays though. I, I think it would be more suited to um to adult swim than anything though. I picture it being more like a Bojack Horseman sort of thing where just like he's accepted, everybody knows he's just walking down the street and he's like like a wash up like he was actually Alf on the TV series Alf. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can get down with that. Right on. Uh, what shows would you guys like to see be brave, be brought back? Not like a reboot, but a continuation Actual, of. Ooh. No, they already did Heroes. With, and that with, didn't go well. With the same <laughs> amount of time actually having passed as well. Well, Heroes didn't end good, so no, the revival wasn't going to go well. Either. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> I forgot that Heroes got a revival, honestly. What, <laughs> right? what were they thinking? <laughs> right. Oh, good. They were trying to capture the MCU magic. That's what they were thinking. Yeah. I'm trying to gush. Maybe married with, married with children. Married with children, for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Seeing what the bunnies are up to today, it would be like, especially in this, like, you know, now PC um, world. Bud Bundy is definitely in jail for sexual assault. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think most of them are locked up. It's probably going to be a prison drama. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's also an Oz revival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Ernie Hudson up to? <laughs> All right. Uh, wow, Mary told you. You got anything, Brian? That's a good one. Uh, I, I don't know. Wings. No, I'm just kidding. It's not wings. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Who the fuck wants to? Um, gotta, gotta keep Ted Daly pay, man. Yeah, we gotta get Thomas A. Church some money some kind of way. Tim Daly. Oh, uh, the Sandman royalties. Something in, in Wings in Wings news. Uh, there was a uh, uh, there was a recent like um, art show that was put on by uh, by a uh, 
company online that does like custom video game cabinets. Yeah. And they got a bunch of artists to contribute ideas to like mock video game cabinets. And Brandon Bird, that artist who does like celebrities in weird kind of situations, did a uh, did a mock up for a arcade cabinet for Wings Battle of the Midway. And it had like <laughs> you can see like an aircraft carrier and like a pl- like a like a fighter aircraft on it. And then like the cast of wings above it. Awesome. It's a it's a okay. brilliant brilliant thing. Now, if we could get a wings like that, like wings in wartime, I would be all for it. Uh, but no, I th- I think it would be fun to check in again with, uh, say, like the characters from Cheers or, or something like that. You know, where it's it was one of those those warm welcoming comedies that you would just watch every week, and it's like eh, I, I like these characters a lot. You know, it's I, I would kind of like to see that. Frasier is kind of kind of there, I guess. Uh, but um, there's not there's honestly not a lot I want to see continued at this point, because really, we've been burned a lot. Um, and, and I think that it, I don't I don't know it's it's ever the right answer to, to go back to the well and just start making more episodes of a classic TV show, Sex of the City. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but because like a lot of the reboots or, or the or the. Um, the relaunches that I've really been a fan of has have been like sort of uh, evergreen kind of concepts like Twilight Zone or um, or uh, like Amazing Stories was rebooted on Apple Apple Plus and, and stuff like that. Like I'm really into that sort of thing. But you could reboot Twilight Zone and Amazing Stories every generation, you know, oh, yeah. and, and and just create new stories and and that's that's fine. But I think by and large, especially if a lot of time has passed between the the end of one series and your projected relaunch uh you're playing with fire my friend i agree with all of that but hear me out here's one from the 90s you gotta bring back with time having passed space above and beyond no sir bring bring me back although that's not a bad call sir sliders is (laughs) sliders is one of those joints is like uh it was a great concept, and I would like to see it redone now with better effects. Now that TV's getting like respectable mm-hmm. budgets, and you can even still, even if you don't get like Jerry O'Connell and and John Rice Davis back, but let's be honest, you can get them. You let's, oh, absolutely. <laughs> let's be honest, you can get them. But even if you had a whole new cast, you could explain it in a way as like those dudes just kept having adventures and the you know they lost people they gained people and so much that like who you started out with is not who you have now like that's easily explainable away that's actually not a bad idea and i would 100 percent welcome sliders back good call Javon. uh i would say bring me back the 90s american gladiators with the 90s american gladiators oh, oh yeah i'm back <laughs> But your contestants are the same ages as the Gladiators. So this is the Octogenarian Games. (laughs) Go find old competitors from back then. Oh, yeah. Grudge matches. Oh, Wesley's Two Scoops Barry. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So those guys would be, what, in their 50s now? Probably Somewhere in that neighborhood. Mid to late 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing 60. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Pushing 60. Get the old competitors back and, and see who stayed in shape, who got fat, who had seven kids. And then let's <laughs> let's let's see who uh, see how this whole shit plays out. And the exact same games that they had oh to play before. God. I just want to see the like 
when they do the eliminator, that final obstacle course, I want to see one of them just look at it like, nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> it's just that, that backwards running treadmill that they got to run up, and they're just like, no, my, my walker and cane can't handle this. It's like, my knees, nope, nah. no, not, not today. <laughs> <laughs> he, he won, he won. <laughs> it's just going to be the eliminator's going to be renamed the ACL vaporizer. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no one makes it through. I did think though, though, like I would, uh, and I've I've mentioned this on one of our shows before, but Quantum Leap is a show I would bring back with, uh, with Dean Stockwell, Scott Bakula, <laughs> continuing with the adventures of Scott Bakula's or Sam Beckett's daughter, daughter, yeah, traveling through time trying to find her dad. Um, I am with it be, because we got confirmed that he never did make it home, right? He never made no. it. No, hey, see, at least the Slider guys made it home, where they just didn't know they made it home. <laughs> that's that's the heartbreaking shit. But yeah, I'm, which is worse, never making it home in Quantum Leap, or not knowing that you did make it home and sliding out of sliders? Well, no, if you're happy, you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of doing it. Yeah, I think if you've been through, yeah, you've been through way too much. If you, yeah, you get home and don't even recognize it anymore. It's like <laughs> if you've seen some shit. Yeah, you've been through the ringer right at that point. Yeah, right. Rembrandt Brown is going to be looking out the window for dinosaurs the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a name I have not heard in a long time. It's like that Rick and Morty episode where they were trying to find a suitable um, new um, uh, dimension because they Cronenberged up theirs. Or whatever. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what season is that? I think that was, that was like the one, season. wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's yeah. That was early like episode. not far into that was not far into the series that they Dude. completely ruined their universe. <laughs> yeah, you fuck up the universe in three episodes. <laughs> hey, Geek Cast Seed here. <laughs> I'm just here to interrupt myself so that we can talk about the Geek Cast Live Patreon. Man, that's right. They got a Patreon. These hardworking, strapping young men are doing their best to provide you some quality entertainment. And they have a Patreon, man. Let's check that bad boy out. They got six different tiers that you can donate at. They got the $1 tier, the Power Bottom. That's the one I'm interested in. The $2 tier, the Black Dog. The $3 tier, level up. The $5 tier, the Speak Power to Truth. That's the one that I'm currently donating at myself. They have the $25 tier, the Littlest Giant, and the very unlikely $500 tier. The Geek Underground, where the Geek Cast Live guys will help you build your own podcast from the bottom up, man. They got everything here for you, man. One, two, three, five, 25, 500 bucks. Listen, I know times is hard out there right now, all right? The stakes are high. But if you've paid off all your bills for the month and you got a little extra cheddar cheese in your account, why not help these guys build something here with the Geek Cast Live Patreon? Man, and look at five bucks a month. You can do that, right? That's like one latte, one less latte that you got to drink. You drink one less latte, uh, it's healthier for you, all right? Science proves that. Trust me, you don't have to do the research. Science proves one less latte will at least put like 10 months on your life, okay? For the cost of one latte a month, you could 
help Rob base with his beard care. You ever seen that thing? It glistens when there is no light. It's beautiful and it needs your help with the maintenance and the upkeep. Help that man for the cost of one latte a month. You can break bread and receive the blessings and fellowship of Cartoon Joe for the cost of one latte a month. We can buy more button-down shirts for Geek Cast Rye that actually button all the way to the top. Imagine it, folks. For the cost of just one measly latte a month, you can help fund a fully loaded archeological exposition to help Nick Cordero find his sense of humor. <laughs> the possibilities are endless, people, but it all starts with you. Head on over to patreon.com slash geekcastlive and find the tier that's right for you and your budget and help these poor young men build their empire out of, you know, whatever they started out with. <laughs> that's it, man. Back to the show. Right on. Uh, I know that uh, when I talked to old Key Cash Rye about doing this, um, he wanted us to talk about. He's he's like, hey, talk about the soundtracks and shit. So, figure we can slide over into that, man. Some of your favorite favorite. <laughs> Gotta love that. Shit. <laughs> that is the epitome of '90s television, by the way. It's like X Files, oh, yeah. Sliders, uh, early Seinfeld. That's '90s television. Uh, Baby Family Matters. Anyways, uh, scores, man. What are some of you guys' favorite scores and soundtracks from over the years? Oh, are boy. you both avid listeners of film scores? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't I consider myself to be avid. I mean, if something really sticks out to me, I'll, I'll usually sneak it and, you know, listen to it. Like, in pre preparation for this, I was thinking about, you know, some of the um, scores that I, and soundtracks that I've listened to over the years, and it seems like now they fall into two categories. You have like more or less your classic scores, like say your John Williams, your Danny Elfman's, like maybe Hans Zimmer falls into that category. But then I get, I've, as of late, I've gotten, I've become fascinated with some of the newer um, scores. Um, some of the stuff by like, like Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, or um, what was it? The Chemical Brothers with uh, Hannah. Yeah. 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 Good call. Good call. But yeah, one of of course, like one of my all time favorites has got to be Tron Legacy. There, that's yeah. I was gonna say, Tron Legacy is one of the one of the best scores of the last decade, easily. I got the um the, they released they released a tenth anniversary uh, edition of that soundtrack a few months ago with like a slew of additional content on it. You can find it on Spotify, but uh, that soundtrack is rock solid as anything. Is that the best? soundtrack slash score of any movie no what is of any movie of any movie oh, like boy. what is what is the one if you <laughs> aliens came down and they're like if you don't give us your best score of all time we will put our fingers in all of your buttholes all right well i think oh. for for a movie that can <laughs> i think first of all first of all you have to not want the aliens fingers in your buttholes so like <laughs> you might try this? to you might try to throw them off a little bit but um like there's a lot of movies with really good score music from 
the dawn of cinema to present day. I feel like the last 15 years or so, the amount of the amount of love that is had by, I would say, studios for score music has just dissipated to nothing. And I think a lot of times you hear scores now that are just forgettable and disposable when you try to remove them from the movie itself and mm-hmm. just listen to them. It's like, there's nothing really remarkable about this. It's just a bunch of, it's like Hans Zimmer went in his kitchen and just started banging on shit, you know, but like <laughs> not to knock on Hans Zimmer because I think some of his recent scores have been good, but, um, but I think that for a score to really transcend, it's got to, it's got to function like its own symphony, right? Like it's got to, you've got to be able to put that music on without having seen the movie and follow all the emotional beats of that movie. And it has to go up and down and there have to be late motifs and there have to be themes. All of this stuff has to come in. And I think if we're looking at score music like that, I don't think there's a better example of it than Star Wars. Star Wars. That's yeah. it. Like, I mean, that's, that's oh, the yeah. one that's like, you put it in, get list give it to somebody who's never seen the movies i have friend i have a friend who hates the star wars movies but loves the music because it is what it is like it's just the the, the score is so bombastic and it, it, it does so much work in that movie like i we talked before on on other shows where like star wars is really this miracle project that came together even though everything in the universe was stacked against it yep but the the glue that was holding that movie together was John Williams score. Right and I think on. without it, you don't, you don't, you don't get star Wars without that score. Yeah. I think um, you're, you know, you're doing something right when you get like not one, but multiple like iconic, you know, songs out of that score. Cause you, you know, literally somebody you can, you know, mention star Wars to somebody like music wise and there, they will think of at least three or four different songs. Like there's of course the you know the main themes the imperial march or whatever the um like you know later on duel of the fates and all right you know uh <clears throat> here's a question for you guys and it's one i i thrown out in paprika and i got really chastised for as if i was wrong which of course i wasn't but when it comes to return of the jedi and that score which is the better ending the original one or the party one Actually, I guess the party one was the original one, or the uh, or the the not yub nub John Williams going for the emotional type deal. Which is the better one? Got, gotta go yub nub. Gotta go yub nub. <laughs> just... I'm I I am team uh, special edition on this one. I think I think <laughs> I, I and I know I know I'm in the minority, but I just think it is a much more sweeping conclusion than a bunch of fucking bears having a treehouse party (laughs) you know i mean like and it's wonderful i love yub nub i refer to it all the time i walk around singing it occasionally it's like (laughs) yub nub's great right yub nub's great uh but if i had my choice between reinserting yub nub into return of the jedi or reinserting lapty neck into return of the jedi lapty neck all fucking day all fucking (laughs) all day all day lapty neck's coming back and and yub nub i love it but i think when I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, this is the final scene of this set of movies. Treehouse party is really weird. Celebrate the love is weird, right? <laughs> like, I mean, like, is that what we were here to do? We were here to celebrate the love. An hour and a half ago, I was watching a, a fat fucking slug get strangled by this bikini woman. <laughs> celebrate the love. 
<laughs> well, listen, all the I bad thought... guys are dead. There's no better time to celebrate the love. <laughs> See, I thought it was um, I thought Lando. It was Lando took that theme and ran with it that night. He's like, "Hey, which one of you bears the chicks? You know what? Not important. Come on in." <laughs> I, I thought it was disrespectful for them to erase Yub Nub, and not for the obvious reasons. It's like. That was the Ewoks. That was their culture, man. He got <laughs> they wiped out the Ewoks culture. A cultural genocide White of the Ewoks. Whitewashing <laughs> the Ewoks. They, they colonized the Ewoks, man. It was man, John Williams is a villain in this whole thing. <laughs> a good point there. Right uh, Brian, you were talking about <clears throat> kind of scores that that stand on their like you're saying that a score taken apart has to stand on its own right to transcend as, as a right? I, th I think transcend. okay i think to really really transcend and be considered that perfect score i think you've got to be able to just remove it from the movie entirely listen to it in and of itself and feel the same emotion you would feel sitting in the theater um, okay. and that's how you know a score really really works and i think a lot of john williams's early stuff from jaws to Raiders, to Star uh, Star Wars, to Raiders, you know that that run achieves that. I think Superman was about. even pretty strong. Yeah, Close Encounters does as well. Too. Close Encounters is in there too. I think it stops at about Last Crusade. Jurassic Park. I would say Jurassic Park is not quite there because I don't think the entire score of Jurassic Park is memorable in that way. Okay. I think there's. Hey, I, I would say about. I would say about 75% of Jurassic Park score nails that. But if you take the entirety of Jurassic Park score and hold it up against any one of the three original Star Wars movies, there are moments in there that's like, this could literally be anything right now. Um, but with, with Star Wars and Empire and Jedi and Raiders, it's like, I know what I'm listening to when I'm listening to it, you know? So um, like kind of like what German was saying a second ago, there's so many iconic things that just come out of the star wars score even just episode four if we're just looking at episode four there are so many iconic musical uh um bits that come out of it that it's just it's it's unmistakable but i think i think last crusade is kind of john williams's last score that is like that even though i love jurassic park and some of his later work like uh schindler's list catch me if you can um Really struggling to come up with another one. <laughs> I think I think Williams really. Well, I mean, he has Duel of the Fates. I think that, so uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace was was a really good score, and I think Revenge of the Sith was too. I think Attack of the Clones was not. So there. Okay, right. I'm, I don't uh, even remember the score to Attack of the Clones. Well, you know why you don't remember Attack of the Clones' <laughs> score is because I think forty percent of it was just reused music from Phantom Menace. <laughs> there's a there's a good bit of duel of the fates in there i remember hearing that mm -hmm. you know towards the end i can't remember anything else uh the music is what keeps attack of the clones almost interesting because of anakin and padme's theme i think they call it across the stars or something like across that stars yeah yeah that's great that's, that's a great fucking solid i remember uh listening to the soundtrack before the movie came out and i was like this shit's gonna be so fucking dope and man i've been wrong about a lot of stuff in movies that I've never been more wrong in my life than I was. <laughs> 2005. That was, or That's John Williams, man. That's yeah. John Williams. Yeah, I just it. um, I just listened to some like some tracks from um that soul um mm. sound. I guess it was a soundtrack slash score. score yeah, it is strange. Like it is so strange. Like because you know you have 
you have this weird juxtaposition of all the jazz numbers um, from the movie, and then all the trippy shit that that uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did, like in the Great Beyond. It's like, it's like, what am I listening to? <laughs> like, yeah. the kids are not ready for soul. Like that's some oh, existential weird shit. Like Pete oh, Doctor pushed his boundary a little too far. Yeah. yeah, like this is that was the one that like. They could have put a PG-13 rating on that one because kids just, like, not even for any vulgarity or anything, but it's going to completely go over kids' heads. Like, yeah, thematically, the, thematically, kids just aren't ready for it because they've never, they don't have any context for it, you know, like emotionally. And good good on them. They shouldn't. <laughs> they yeah. long enough to have their dreams crushed yet or to Daddy fall into an open you. manhole. <laughs> also, no injuries. Like, Daddy, what's the point of life? Let me put on Monty Python's meaning of life for you, kid. I do agree that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are kind of the some of the torchbearers today. I think uh, Michael Giacchino yeah. is up there, of course. But um, yes, yeah, I, I think I think when I was kind of coming up with a list of like the best scores of like the last 20 years, like the one that stood out in my head that is like that functions the way the best scores should, like I was talking about, is Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. Um, that that score is just, I think, unmatched in 21st century cinema so far. The amount of times that I've uh, just put that shit on and fallen asleep. Like, that was my <laughs> that was my melatonin for quite some time, man. You just put that <laughs> bad boy on and be ah, knocked out in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty... Like, Specifically for me, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, mm -hmm. Two Towers and In Return of the King are pretty good, but for me... I'm partial I, to Two Towers, but yeah. I, yeah. All right. um, I, like uh, all the, I like all the Rohan music. That's what Oh, I mean. okay. All right. I like all the Shire music. So that that's, mm -hmm. kind of makes sense for me. Definitely have to make an honorable mention to uh, Black Panther. Um, uh, the Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson? Yeah. He, I mean, he won an Oscar for it, and that that was one of the few scores in the MCU that actually stood out. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, th that's the MCU. The one real place I can criticize it is that none of the scores were terribly memorable, but until say like, they've only just started to turn that around. Cause I think Dr. Strange started it. Cause it's really kind of off. It's yeah. really weird. But Black Is Panther and Thor Ragnarok were the two that I'm like, these two actually stand out as uh, different and, 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 and solid scores. Yeah. Right on. Uh, talking about uh, Reznor and Ross, one that just came out last year. I'm not sure if either one of you checked it out on the old Netflix there. Mank. Yeah. Uh, oh, if you, you hop on Spotify, listen to the Mank score. It's good. It is. Real good. It's Ooh. fucking zippy, man. It pops. It's, it's kind of jazzy. It's got a lot of piano, a lot of riffs happening in there, and uh, it just gives you that sense of like things are happening in the thirties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it is. that was the working title for Mank. <laughs> things were happening in the thirties. Yeah, uh, nothing. Um, good it's weird. It's part. weird to listen to it and then think this is the Nine Inch Nails guy, huh? Right. Yeah, because I remember what uh, I think he did like Social Network, right? And they're like scored yeah, yeah. by by but Trent Reznor, and I was like, Wait, well, what? that's an interesting choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he did do Gone Girl too, didn't he? Yeah, Watchmen. Uh... Maybe Fincher and Reznor are just like that's the that's the common. They're the yeah. new Spielberg Williams of their generation. <laughs> All right, right on, right on. Uh, let's let's wind this 
bad boy down a little bit. The word dropped not too long about Chris Evans might be coming back to the MCU. Is this something that y'all want to see or no? Yes and yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think uh, on one hand, I'm like, you know, come on, we we love Chris Evans. um, He's just so so charismatic and inspiring as Captain America. So, you know, on one hand, who wouldn't want to see him again? But then at the other end, like, his arc wrapped up perfectly in Endgame. And it's kind of one of those deals where you don't want to see him jump the shark either. But it just depends on, I think it, to me, it depends on how they include him, you know, going forward. Like, are we going to see old man cap, um, you know, in a behind the scenes type thing? Is it going to be, uh, is it going to be flashbacks of cap or is it going to be cap like in another, from another dimension or some other take on, you know, on cap? being that we're dealing with the multiverse now. What would you want to see there, Jermon? Maybe, I think more, maybe an old man cap. Like just seeing him kind of behind the scenes working with S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. Maybe maybe you get a brief scene where he has to like, you know, where he has to go in there and throw a few hands, show me still still got it. Old man cap throwing hands? Yeah, the old, old man strength, man. <laughs> oh, man, that's the old man strength. First of all, he's already got super soldier strength, and now he's got old man strength. Oh, he, he's going to kill someone. He's, he's going to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> the first, like, aim agent or whoever he'd be fighting just punches him out, and it's, it's, it's lights out for that poor fool. If he grabbed Thanos's wrist with that old man strength, that'd, 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 be, that'd been over. <laughs> he could have ripped the Infinity Gauntlet right off of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't count on old man strength. <laughs> the, the world's universe's greatest threat defeated by it's like old man strength. It's like it, it, well, it's probably just the denture glue. <laughs> yes, a, bunch of, a bunch of poly did. What is this? <laughs> Get off of me! <laughs> uh, what about you, Brian? How, uh, do you want to see Cap come back, and if so, in what capacity? I think I'd kind of be more interested in this if, like, the last Marvel movie we got hadn't been Cap's denouement. I'm like. We, I, I understand we should have gotten probably about five or six more Marvel movies by now, but the fact that we have gotten precisely zero and there are, and it's like, hey, Cap might come back. I'm like, could you give it a minute? Right. Like we've just, <laughs> I, I just want to get some of these other movies under under our belt first. Um, I'm, that said, I'm not, I'm certainly not opposed to it, and I'm, I'm not opposed to any one of them coming back if the story warrants it. Um, I guess. It struck me as something that you'd hear if like Marvel Studios was like, guys, we got to get one of the old guys back because this things just aren't going well. Well, that's not the case. Like nothing's going anywhere right now. Right. <laughs> like we haven't seen another movie. So, so it seems like I, I would hope that it's something that's governed more by story than uh, just a need to like promote. Hey, your favorite is back. Right. Um, but I do think also that it's worth noting that that uh, Chris Evans is twitter response to this was this is news to me so uh, i don't know i don't know that's misdirection because he's a pretty uh coy playful guy on twitter um or not but uh but it's just a big we'll wait and see but at this point and i've said this for several years now right before marvel would embark on something that seemed risky they've earned enough goodwill to uh get my ass in the seat indefinitely right now like they could have five shit movies in a row and i'd still be there for number six so what, 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 what 
I think, um, and I think um, part of that might be, like, is you think about before when Chris Evans said, you know, after Endgame, I'm done. You know, I wanted to branch out and do some different things. And he's done a few different things now. Knives Out and a few other series. But he wasn't, he probably didn't have the pandemic in mind either. Like, that may have dried up some movie roles or whatever. And he might be like, you know, MCU doesn't sound too bad right now. Get some get some that, that, that guaranteed that, money. That quick cash. Yeah. He said, I want my money and I want it now. He, he said, I want to go where the money resides. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the money resides with Lord and Savior Feige. That's why uh, Ethan Hawke's bitch ass finally <laughs> decided to get with the MCU after years of talking <laughs> shit about superhero movies. <laughs> Going where the money resides. Now, speaking of Cap <laughs> Shield, Germain, yes. you just made yourself a reckless purchase, didn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Not only... Did I just Jesus. randomly mention it? But he just happens to bend over and have it right by his side. You're supposed to have it right by your side. You never know what might pop off. Right here. <laughs> no, when, uh, when Hyde is going to kick down Jermon Jackson's door. See, it, it was absolutely dangerous as I went. You know, I uh, go to the local comic shop every week, every Wednesday when the new books come out. And I went this Wednesday and nothing came out for me. Mm. So I was wow. like, oh, no. Oh, this is bad. I got money to burn. Yeah. You don't, you don't know <laughs> what to do. <laughs> and I look over and see a shield sitting there or whatever. I was like, oh. <laughs> I guess I'll buy this shield that's sitting here. <laughs> that's all that's that's how I ended up getting that gauntlet, man. It was just like I had money to burn. It was sitting there. You know, I was like, I you know, I always Back. wanted some props like that from my from my room. All right. Jermon's just in the comic shop. Nothing's here. He's like well, well, Biden's supposed to send us $1,400. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Let me grab this wrap of this shield. How heavy hey, is Captain America, he'd approve of this. It's, right? got a little, it's got a little heft to it, though. I mean, got a little it's not heft to it. Steel, okay. But it, it definitely feels, you know, it's got some weight to it. I kind of like, um, want, so want German to just walk into, like, I don't know, Walgreens. <laughs> with that, with that shit. And just kind of nod at the cashier, like, okay. All right. All right. That would be the walk on in. <laughs> Wouldn't be the weirdest thing you've seen in a Walgreens. <laughs> no, no. If you guys you got have... antacids. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have any one prop from the MCU, what would it be? Would it be like like the actual prop would be Cap Shield, uh, Thor's hammer. You know what? Uh, what would what would you go with? Who would you go with? Uh, a pair of Hulk's jeans, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Widow's bracers, maybe. I was gonna oh. say Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett, uh, just Scarlett <laughs> Johansson, done and done. <laughs> Oh man! I think I have to go with the Tesseract. Tesseract would be kind of cool. Oh, it would be kind of cool. I'm surprised yeah. they. I don't know if they've made one or not, but I, I'm surprised they haven't. I don't think they have. I think there was one in the uh, in the Phase One box set, like when yes. Phase One finished like the their case joint, came in that briefcase yeah. from the end of uh, Thor. The yeah, yeah. Thor with the with the Tesseract inside of it. Now I don't know if you could. I don't know if that Tesseract did anything. Like, uh, like <laughs> I don't know if you press the button or could take it out or, like, whatever. Melt your face off. I don't know what it did. But uh, <laughs> but it was oh. in there. It, it did have a Tesseract in it. Right on. Right on. Yeah. I think I got to. Yeah, um, it's like the next thing you're going to see um, is me buying a brand new 4K TV because I've tried to throw the damn shield around and smash <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> we told you not to practice with the shield indoors, Javon. 
<laughs> next Wednesday. Hey, man, what's your return policy on these things? <laughs> Stay on too much stuff. Let's wind this on down. Uh, Brian, what are you geeking out on right now? Uh, I am reading the first book of uh, Star Wars The High Republic by Charles Sewell. Um, I am just shy of halfway through it and I will tell you that the first third of the book is all about one specific incident happening and all like about I as close as I can I lost track but probably about 55 different individuals trying to manage this crisis simultaneously it's interesting uh I'm not sure how it's all gonna dovetail here as we move into the second half of the book i feel like things have just gotten rolling and i'm trying to keep in mind that this is not just supposed to start off a cycle of books but a multimedia sort of effort by lucasfilm with books that aren't just going to be written by charles stool and aren't just going to be limited to adult novels and so there's a lot going on here and this is sort of setting the stage for i feel all of it um but there is enough in there for a Star Wars fan to be uh, intrigued by and excited about, I think. It's expanding on things in an interesting way. And I just got to a spot in the book this morning where a familiar name popped up. And what? when I say familiar name, I mean familiar because I read one of the making of books. So don't get too excited <laughs> about the movie. Uh, what era are we talking about here? Is this supposed to be? So, in? This takes place about... 200 years before the phantom menace okay so this is uh, this is an era that's never really to my knowledge been explored much by any of the media because it's always been old republic or like or or like prequels or um original trilogy and really not a lot of wiggle room beyond any of those except for the uh heir to the empire and everything beyond that that kind of went off in the future but like um this area of the republic is like known for everybody's getting along and there's not really anything going wrong and i'm like that sounds boring as shit give me something scary you know and they, and they do the, the the villains show up at about the uh the hundred page mark in this book and start really uh asserting themselves and uh yeah i think i think the villains are intriguing i just don't see at this point how this book's going to develop them enough <laughs> in this one book alone so uh but i guess that's how they get you I don't know. All right. hey, they they, they got to keep buying more stuff to see how they develop. Sermon, isn't, um, what you, what? isn't um isn't Sewell writing the uh, main Star Wars book now too? Or he's writing the main like original trilogy Star Wars comic. Yeah. from Marvel. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. The, and the current arc ties loosely into the High Republic era. Mm. Boom. Uh, he also had that uh, dope uh, Daredevil run. So. All y'all out there who haven't uh, checked that out with uh, your boy Old Man Ron Garney on the art <laughs> part of it, uh, check. That if you out. want to check out, uh, to me, Charles Sewell's best Star Wars work so far was a five-issue Lando miniseries he did with Alex Maleev, uh right after Marvel got the license back. It is wicked good, and it's all about Lando's relationship with Lobot, which okay. I've oh, waited. Wow. That's the question I had for. I'm sitting there on all the Star Wars prequels and I'm like, when are we getting to fucking Lobot? <laughs> like, I wanted Lobot to be the one living with the Wookiees on Kashyyyk, not Han Solo. I don't even know why that was even a thing. Why did they even think about that? I don't know. 
And with, uh, Lobot's Lobot. finally getting some love now. When they eventually do the Lobot movie, let's get Michael Chiklis some work. Lobot, a Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd like a ticket to Lobot, please. <laughs> that nobody ever. No one ever, except for you, except for young Brian Bart. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jermon, what are you geeking out on? A couple things. Um, like, yeah, of course, uh, Donnie Cates' output right now has been like just phenomenal. Um, the current Thor series, like just to show you how good it is, I have never read Thor before, and I'm reading this. <laughs> okay. The scene, the scene they they're doing an arc right now with um with Donald Blake, and it is just batshit crazy. Uh, he is he, he's basically going off his rocker, and like they like I think the latest issue he was battling Sif and some of the Asgardians. And being, you know, that he was a doctor, he has a, like an enchanted scalpel, and he's using it to break people down and everything. And uh, he's, I mean, he's literally took, he's taking Asgard apart, more or less. All right. But that and um, of course, Blake you know, going the, crazy. The main series of his um, of Donnie Cates is um, I'm really geeking over his um, crossover. Crossover, yeah. That, that yes. Book, that book is nuts. Oh my god! Are you caught up? Uh, two or three yeah. into crossover. Three, three, just three issues, like, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Three just dropped. All right, then. So I've read the first two. I haven't read three. Okay. Yet. Yeah, there's. I feel like there's a doozy every issue. Like three is where three is where shit gets really yeah. wild. And and that yeah. last page so, in issue three, I was like, all right, who are we gonna get? And I did not see that coming, and I was like, just extremely excited. Like the yeah. '90s comic book lover in me just was like. That is something I did not expect to see, and I'm very happy I did. So I'm very, very pumped to, for it. Like he managed to bring. Uh, apparently, he managed to bring out some characters that he had created, like like maybe four or five years ago, in some obscure like Dark Horse comic. And it's just like, like how is he doing some of this stuff? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of showing you enough. So that you know what the character is without showing you the yeah. character to kind of skirt around those those licenses. Isn't it that issue of Spawn where there's a whole bunch of like superheroes locked up and all you saw was their yeah. arms out of the cages? Yeah, and you had to identify yeah. Them yeah. I keep thinking of that particular panel, and there's a lot. Yeah, of there was that a moment stuff. in I think issue one maybe of crossover that that sort of was a, a did the same. Yeah, yeah. I think the beginning of issue two gives you that. Maybe we see them all in the jail. And you see yeah, some of right. the uh, just enough of their business. All right, then cool. Uh, and for me, I'm uh, speaking of comics. I'm geeking out on Black Science, man. I'm I'm finally checking that out. I am a known hater of Rick Remender, uh, <laughs> but I picked up a bunch of them on sale a while back, and I was like, all right, I'm not. I'm on a no comic books moratorium until I read the stuff that I own, which is way too much. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to make my way through this stuff, and I started with Black Science because I got all nine volumes of that, and this shit's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you read Black Science, Jamon? No, no. Is um is that still ongoing? No, no it's, it's done. It's ended now. It's Finished uh, maybe like uh, two years ago, maybe. Yeah. Like I like that. and I like Rick Remender's stuff. I think I ended up jumping on Deadly Class though out of his image output. Uh, I feel like that's something that could be a little bit up your alley since you're such a big Fantastic Four fan. Uh, mm. If you think about it like Fantastic Four slash Lost in Space, but way more adult than that. Mm. 
um it's pretty messed up like they lose people left and right um and it deals with some pretty heavy themes like you know being an absentee parent and you know having a responsibility to the people around you and trying to leave things better than how you found them is a is a big part of it and you know the shady corporations and people and organizations and all that in there if you can man and it's just good art by with Matt Scalera, right? So Matt Scalera, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's his, the art is just it, it's it's such a perfect marriage of concept and, and like design work. Like, see, that's perfect that, artist for that book. That's the one thing I do like about Image Comics is when yeah, when you're in a situation where somebody's recommending a book for you, you can go you can go to the shop, pick up the first trade. It's usually like ten bucks. Ten bucks. Yeah. Yep. If you uh, that or image is always great about doing comicsology sales, where that first volume is like five ninety nine or six ninety nine. Yeah. If you hit that right. sale at the right time, they're they're great at they're great at the drug dealer uh, yeah. method. They 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 get you simple with that first one, and then that's when they got you hooked, and you got to pay more for the product. And that volumes two and three. If only we could get more sock. Uh, hey, well, I think I think I think uh, crossover is maybe the next saga for Image, and maybe too early yeah. to say, but I just I could see the potential that's, here. For me, it's kind of filled that void to where it's like that's the one book. Like whenever I pick it up, it's the first one I'm reading when I get home. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, then that's it for man the the Paprika Takeover of Geekcast Live. Uh, is anyone listening to this still? If so. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I mean, thanks. Glad you, you stuck with us, man. So we will return you back to your regularly scheduled host uh, next week for next week's episode. Um, go check out their Patreon, man. They do have a Patreon, Geekcast Live. You'll find them there. Donate wherever is right for you. Um, and just support Geekcast Live wherever you find them because they've supported Paprika throughout the years. So this is just uh, it's a little payback because they did a crossover for us back in uh, one of the last episodes of Paprika. So you guys take it easy, and we'll see you some other time. Have a good one.